Welcome to the Well. I'm Anson Mount. And I am Brandon Edgens. And we are at an end of season two. How's it feel, man? It feels better than the end of season one. <laughs> does it really? Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, I feel like uh, uh, what we're doing is kind of getting out there, and it's, it's really, really gratifying to see the uptick in subscribers and feedback and uh, the very touching uh, private messages and emails and stuff that we get. It just makes all the work uh, worthwhile. Yeah, I agree. I, I've, you know, I've been doing a few of these conventions for Star Trek, and uh, I've been amazed at the number of people who've come up to me because of the podcast. It's great. It feels good. Yeah, it does. It's it's really touching. It's really humbling. There's a lot of you know kind of heavy stuff that you and I get as, as sort of as private messages that we I mean, obviously aren't going to share here, but it uh, it's pretty it's pretty humbling, and uh, I have to say it really does uh, you know sort of re motivate me to keep pushing through. You know, you and I both have other jobs, and sometimes I feel like I don't have enough time to do it, and then I get an email from someone and sometimes and that's you know I'm like oh my god I can't stop yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy to think that you know like this is important to someone like I didn't you know starting out I didn't think this was going to be important to anybody I thought it was an excuse for you and I to hang out <laughs> <laughs> was there a particular high point for you this season um oh yes um being nominated for a Nobel Prize <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely pretty 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 hard to beat from dr <laughs> dr robert chance algar uh neurologist and who has zero standing in the nobel prize committee has promised to nominate me for my bs theory <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was from uh, part two of the melissa mccracken interview as i recall yes yes it was and you me, I, I think it was, um, as you just shared with me before we started recording, uh, we are officially uh, number 1,400 and what? 48. <laughs> 1,448 on iTunes 1, podcast. 1,448. Yeah, that's yep. great, man. That's a, that's a milestone. <laughs> Beat that, everyone else. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I right from the beginning, from, you know, um, from our interview with Todd Komarnicki, uh, that I think that that was uh, we set the bar really high there at the beginning of the season with a great Christmas episode. Oh, for sure, and it kind of set a tone after that too. And it re- that's that's when I felt like the uh, sort of the re- the uh, personal and emotional resonance started to kind of feed back to us yeah. after that episode, and started to feel, um, yeah, like I said, humbling. And this is also just an opportunity to say to our listeners, uh, fear not, we're not going away completely. We are going to be doing uh, other things for a few months while we get ready for season three, but we're going to be checking back in with you more regularly than we did in the last off-season period. Uh, And we've decided what we're going to do and not um, have such a a burden of production upon us is that every now and then, Brandon and I are going to have a a conversation that we would normally have, uh, but we're going to record it and... Because, you know, our conversations, the way we come back into catching up with each other is we, we, we talk about all the cool stuff we've been discovering out in the world so that the other person can go and, and check that stuff out, too. So I figured, why not let everybody else in on it? Um, it what, what have you seen recently that's been cool? Well, um, you know, it's funny. I knew you were going to ask that question, and it was sort of uh, disheartening to think back on the past couple of months and go, uh, come up blank. <laughs> 
no, there is. There's one thing, but I. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if other people think it's cool or not. It's, it's, but I've sort of gotten back. I mean, I've all you know me. I've always been into music and discovering new music. But I've been re- really been into krungbin. Into what? Recently, I was I krungbin or krungbin. Uh, it's a Texas trio. It's a band from Texas, and um, I just saw them live at Central Park uh, last week. And uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm just really digging it. Maybe this is maybe I'm setting the ball in motion for having them on the show later. But um, the guitar player Mark Spear is just uh, I don't know. I've just been I've just been watching him nonstop the past couple of months, and just like he's just a fountain of ideas. He's a virtuoso, but he he he's one of those players that doesn't look like he's trying at all. <laughs> In fact, his accountant's on stage. I was joking with Sharon about this. Um, is he's doing this? He's, his left hand is just doing this amazing, impossible stuff. Just constantly soloing with these incredibly groovy, catchy sort of Southeast Asian inflected vibes, and kind of walking around the stage. And like, if you didn't have binoculars and weren't watching his hands, you wouldn't know that he was the guitar player because he's actually walking around the stage, looking like he's lost his phone. <laughs> <laughs> he's just kind of like peeking at everything and looking behind amps and stuff. And like, who is that? Oh, that is the guitar player. Wow. And how do you spell the band's name? Krungbin is K H R U N G B I N. Krungbin. That that's actually a Thai word that technically I think translates to fly engine, but I think it's just their word for an airplane. Speaking of music, I've recently gotten back into listening to Iron Horse. Uh, I think I've sent you videos from them before from YouTube. Uh, Iron Horse is an incredible bluegrass cover band, and, and really technically they're as good as any bluegrass band I've seen out there, but they do these amazing rock and roll covers. Um, and the reason that I remembered Firehorse recently is because um, I had taken my Iron Horse. I, yeah, Iron Horse. I had. Uh, oh, did I say Firehorse? Yes, you did. Well, we love them too because they're friends. <laughs> but Iron Horse. Uh, the other horse. I, I was thinking about them uh, because I had taken my wife and my mother to see Rocket Man, the biopic about Elton John. Because Iron Horse does this incredible cover of Rocket Man, that you should stop everything right now and go to YouTube and type in Iron Horse Rocket Man and see what I'm talking about. And then you can go from there. And also, I do highly recommend Rocket Man. Um, this actor, <laughs> this young English actor who I'd known about before, his name is um, uh, Taron Edgerton. Um, I was already impressed with him. And then when I saw this movie, I was like, and you sing like that? Like, you just make me mad. Like, this guy, this kid <laughs> should get nominated for an Academy Award. And the movie itself, like, I, I hate biopics. I'll just put that out there first. I really do. I don't like them. I think they're canned. And they don't do a person justice. But this one is unlike anything I've seen. And I, when I saw it, I couldn't believe that it took somebody this long to go, hey, wait a minute. We got all these songs and we're telling a story. Why aren't we making a musical? And that's right. what this really is. It's, an, it's a musical and it's, it's, in, 
It's using Elton's, Elton's songs to tell the story of his life, and it's 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 like this um, musical psychedelic dream that just goes on and on, and it's it has momentum, and it's just wonderful. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, and the other movie that I saw recently that you recommended uh, was Biggest Little Farm. Oh yes. Right, because I thought of I, th- I thought of you and Dara when I saw it. Yeah, because we moved, we just moved to our own property and we're getting animals and stuff like that. But what a great documentary! Um, I forget the guy's name, but uh, it, this guy he's a he was a camera operator and a very good one. And he and his wife decided to start a sustainable farm about an hour north of Los Angeles and basically a, a desert, and it just seemed impossible. And this guy. Hey, clearly <laughs> he was incapable of putting down a camera <laughs> and he just documented the entire process, which was seven years and then put together this documentary that's really well shot. Um, and, but for me and Brandon, I think that the, 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 the B story to it was, uh, you know, it's about a guy who can't stop filming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that I, I, that's you know oftentimes my excuse for doing a thing is like, well, I mean, what's, it works the other way around too. It's like the camera becomes a reason to do something, and then it's the reason to keep doing it once you started. Uh, but John Chester, I just looked it up. That's the name of the yeah, director right. for uh, the biggest little farm. And it's important to note that the um, land that he bought was in such terrible condition because it had been so mismanaged. You sort of assume that this was just. Uh, a crappy part of the planet you know it was just sort of bad to begin with but you realize no you know it was it was fertile territory until bad land management and sort of industrial farming practices killed it and so you watch this person use um, a more holistic approach to uh, revitalizing and resurrecting the soil you know starting with the soil which is everything it was really amazing to watch and such a lesson and I think it, it's pretty important now, too, because I think industri- they just, with all the debate out, that's out there now about industrial farming and, it's, uh, uh, and, and the harm that it causes, it's a, really, it's a really wonderful thing to see. It's a great story. Yeah, I, couldn't, I really couldn't believe it. I, I, in the first act of the movie, when they found that piece of land and they started trying to dig into this almost cement-like, lifeless dirt, I thought, oh, this is going to be where they figure out they picked the wrong piece of land and they move on. <laughs> but no, no man, they, t- they took this thing that was just a lifeless desert. And you watch them over the course of introducing worms to introducing small wildlife to introducing all these things. And then over the course of seven years, it, not only does the, the land become this rich, dark, loamy soil that's producing all these crops, but they actually succeed in making their own little microclimate. It's, it's kind yeah. of amazing. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, no, and no other film that I've ever seen has a more dramatic and heroic unleashing of the ducks scene <laughs> as that one does. Yes. I won't give it away. That'll be the teaser. You have to see why there's a moment in this movie where like the ducks like solve all of these problems. You know, they just there's this great shot of them like lowering the gate on their truck in the slow motion of just all these ducks pouring out, rushing in to save the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're definitely getting ducks. (laughs) Oh yes. Well, I thought you already had. Don't you already? Aren't you have wild ones there already? Don't you? Uh, No, we have some wild geese. 
No, yeah, we're going to get some used. ducks, definitely. On uh, the TV side, I, um, you know, I've been known to occasionally dip into the anime world, and I'm, uh, I'm in, I'm doing a convention. I'm in Australia right now. We didn't mention that, but uh, I've been here. I, doing I was about a to say we didn't. Yeah, you sounded a little uh, upside down. <laughs> I am definitely upside down. This is the worst jet lag I've ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> But uh, there's a, a bunch of voice actors here, and uh, we were hanging out, and it just sort of got me back into the mood. And so I was looking at uh, reviews for the best new anime of 2019, and I, I came across this article. Um, <laughs> the number two on the list is this new show called Sarazanmai. It's S-A-R-A-Z-A-N-M-A-I. And um, the review of this thing is kind of the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life, Brandon, and I wanted to read it mm. to you specifically. Okay. Um, and it goes like this. Shoot. Describing just exactly what the hell Sarazanmai is to someone who has never seen an anime directed by Kunihiko Ikuhara is about as difficult as it would be to describe the concept of water and what the hell it means for something to be wet to an alien. But put simply, the show follows three middle schoolers as they are transformed into Kappa, amphibious beak-faced demons, after releasing Kepi, the guardian spirit of Asakusa, from the statue containing him and accidentally insulting him. To return to human form, the three are tasked with exercising Kappa zombies, malicious poltergeists, by performing elaborate dance numbers in a liminal dimension to steal the zombie's shirikidoma, magical spheres representing human desire, by forcibly removing them from their anuses. <laughs> <laughs> this is the tamest, most perfunctory description of what Sarazanmai is about, and it only gets stranger from here on out. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta watch it. <laughs> And, 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 you, and you like it? It's really well done. The animation is fantastic. It's definitely unlike anything else out there. Um, it, it, it's in the the writing is is sharp and funny. Uh, it, you'd never get away with it on t American television. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's odd and it, it's just I don't know. It's also. It's trying to get into asking the question about our new relationship with digital technology and how it's pulling us apart from each other. So I thought huh. it was really interesting. What, say the name again. It's called Sarazanmai, S-A-R-A-Z-A-N-M-A-I. And I okay. found it, I don't know, on, I think I was watching it on Verve, which is VRV.com. Uh, it's also on Crunchyroll, I think. And uh, okay. that led me to what is at the top of a lot of people's lists of new anime, which is Death Note, which you can find on Netflix. And it's, this is a very, um, it's, it's also supernatural, but very grounded at the same time. The idea is this, uh, this demon um, puts a, a, a notebook uh, that anybody who writes in the notebook the name of someone else, that person will die. Okay, and is picked up by this honor student, and 
he immediately starts killing his father's a cop so he starts killing criminals but then it the power gets to his head and there's an investigation and there's this super investigator who nobody knows the real identity of this person whose name is L and it's really the whole spine of the show is about this battle of wits between this honor student and this super investigator and the the mental architecture that the writers draw for the the dance of death between these two people is so it's so well drawn and so convoluted um, but really, really good watching. Uh, I think that with some a- adaptation, it could make a great live action, but it, it stands really well on its own, and the animation is fantastic. So Death Note is something else I'd recommend. Um, and the only other thing that I have was on this, the, uh, the science side is uh, I recently learned about the solar gravity lens. Have you read, read up about this? Um, well, I know about gravitational lensing, um, uh, but go ahead. Yeah, no, there's, it's, it's still, it's very conceptual, but, uh, there's this idea that, that, you know, massive stars or really a star can bend light in such a way that it's now people have figured out how we can turn our entire solar system into one big lens. Oh, Okay. Oh, wow. In order to look at habitable planets. And if we're able to pull this off, it's estimated that the resolution we could get could be down to a few kilometers. I mean, we could we could look what? at a few kilometers of the surface of distant planets. And this is achievable. It's this is the first idea for, for searching for extraterrestrial life that I've heard of that, that sounds like, okay, we can do this with current technology. Here's the problem. In order to, you got to, you got to place the, um, I guess the sensor, the sensor plate Uh has to be really, really far away from the sun. And for the size of our sun, the sensor plate would have to be three light days away from us. That's a really long way still. Um, so whether or not we're going to be able to achieve this within our, our lifetimes is, is very questionable, but it seems like there, this is ideas getting a lot of people on board. There's a pretty good article on it in space.com, which we'll, we'll post on our website in the show notes section. So people can go check that out. That sounds really, really cool. I'm just thinking like if, if another alien, uh, culture has invented this technology and they're looking at us and with perhaps even greater resolution, depending on how far away they are, let's say, you know, 300, you know, light years away, they're looking at us right now going, wow, those guys really like their powdered wigs. (laughs) Yeah. In about 300 years, they're going to see us gearing up to make our own solar lens and they're going to say, Oh, hide. (laughs) Turn off the lights, turn off the lights. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So that's all I got. Anything else? Uh, Oh, here's a question. What are we going to call this? These between season episodes? Huh? Um, I was going to say, I don't know, man. It's your podcast. Oh, wait, it's mine too. <laughs> Off-season fun stuff? Uh, that, is, no, that doesn't really ring. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the well. Kids' corner. <laughs> uh, 
Let's see. Uh, God, I can't count. I'm drawing a blank. Interested? Hey, you know what? Why don't Why don't we invite uh, the listeners to to name this? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Submit your title for. Uh, uh, see, I, now I'm drawing a blank again because it's your it's your job to name it out there, folks. Uh, the in between season interstitial stuff. See, that's why I'm not naming it because that's all I came up with. Yeah, if you can think of a good name for these sort of between season shows. Yeah, something something pithy, something that plays on the well. Oh, I have an so, idea. Shoot, mind the gap. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. So we would say, like, welcome to a Mind the Gap? Yeah, I guess. Well, we'll, we'll float that one up. Just folks, vote vote that one up. Vote it down. Uh, if you come up with something better, please let us know. Yeah. Anything new up at the cabin? No, I have to say, I'm, I can't. Uh, I knew this day would come. Uh, Sharon did not think this day would come. Nobody thought this day would come. Uh, but I've kind of run out of, like, big stuff to do. It's mostly kind of, like, small improvements and getting around to sort of improving things that I sort of did halfway, you know, but like, yeah, I was just up there a few weeks ago. I made a solo trip. So I was up there for about four or five days by myself and uh, I was, you know, worked like a dog the whole time, but I was starting to see like, I'm starting to like kind of, uh, clear the, uh, the tarmac here. Like there's not going to be a lot left to do after a few more trips like that. Now what? Then what am I gonna do? I'm just gonna sit there and look at the trees and relax. Give me a break. The Well is produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and myself, Anson Mount. Theme music by Jonathan Myberg. Additional music provided by The Joy Drops. While we're away, you can keep up with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also, think of a title for these Between Seasons episodes. We're not really sure what to call them. The winner will get a mention on our show and on our social media platforms. Have a great summer, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.